Welcome to the Unity of the Valley Spiritual Center podcast featuring Reverend Dahlia Adams. You may visit us online at unityvacaville.org or you may visit us in person at 350 North Orchard Avenue in Vacaville, California. And now here is Reverend Dahlia Adams. Welcome. I am so honored to be here with you. I am glad that you are joining us. We have been talking about the question, how shall I live? How shall we live? And we're focusing on different ideas or different practices and that can lead us in ways of living that would be meaningful, fulfilling, and an answer to our calling. And what we've been talking about the last couple weeks is the idea that no matter how we choose to live, no matter what we are called to do, that it is very important for us to return to God, to that which we call God, to return to that consciousness of God's presence over and over and over again. It keeps us centered. It keeps us in touch with what's going on deep within us. It allows us to show up as our true self in very meaningful ways. And one of the ways we return to God over and over and over again is through prayer. And prayer is such a big idea we could spend years and years talking about what prayer is and what are the deepest ways to pray, the most meaningful ways to pray, the most powerful ways to pray. We could talk for a long time about how is it that we pray once we awaken to that knowing that we are one with God, that that divine spark is within us, expresses as us. How do we pray once we realize that the Christ, the light of the Christ is shining within us and we are expressing that Christ presence always? At Unity, we honor Jesus the Christ as our way shower, our teacher, because we believe that Jesus, Jesus the Christ, expressed that Christ's presence in the most amazing way. I believe that Jesus lived in that consciousness of the Christ, in that consciousness of knowing his oneness with God. On an ongoing basis, I'm not saying that, I don't know if he ever lost touch with that, but that consciousness was powerful in him. And it is through that consciousness of oneness with God, that consciousness of the Christ, that Jesus was able to perform the miracles that we read about and hear about, he was able to draw on that power of God that moved through him 
and then it manifested in his life, in his world, in amazing ways, inspiring people, and opening people's hearts to hear the teachings that he offered, to hear the truth of what God is and what we are. So I thought it would be a good idea to take a peek or glimpse at the prayers of Jesus because, again, there's no way in 20, 30 minutes we could ever cover all of this. This, again, is a year and year and year after year study to go into it very deeply. But it's worth taking a glimpse and then maybe later another day we'll come back a little more deeply. So the first thing to hold in mind when we think of Jesus and what, how Jesus prayed, the example he gave us about prayers, that Jesus spoke in the Aramaic language. And the Aramaic language is very different from our English. It is a language that is much more poetic. It is a language that speaks more from the heart than the head. It is a language that is perfect for mystical teachings, those teachings of truth that come from the heart, come from that divine revelation, come from that intuitive knowing. I don't speak Aramaic, however, I am and I am not a theologian, I'm no expert on it, but I'm pulling these ideas from the writings and teachings of Neil Douglas Klotz. There are two books in particular that I, I am drawing from. One is called Prayers of the Cosmos. And if this is interesting at all to you, if this is a topic that touches you, I would highly recommend that book. It's a small book, it's thin, it's easy to read, and uh, inspiring in a lot of ways. Revelations of the uh, Aramaic Jesus is a book that requires a commitment to scholarship. It's not as easy to read, it's not thin and little, but it has amazing insights and well worth going through, if you would choose. So Jesus spoke Aramaic. The prayers he prayed were in Aramaic. The way he instructed his disciples to pray was all spoken in Aramaic. How that impacts us as we talk about this today is when we translate from the Aramaic to the Greek, and then to the English, which is the pathway usually because the Aramaic was first written out in Greek as part of our Bible, and then it had to be translated again into the English. So when we translate from the Aramaic, we end up having one translation, but in truth, every phrase, Every sentence has layers and layers and layers of meaning, just the way poetry does. 
So there can be two different translations that seem very different unless you know the roots of the words, unless you know the layers of meaning in Aramaic. And that's what I'll be showing you. And hopefully we can ponder on some of the alternative translations to familiar prayers. But before we go into that, I wanted to point out two things about Jesus's prayers. Jesus would address God as Abba, which was unusual. This was not something that was done in the Jewish tradition. You didn't call God Abba. The, the most colloquial day-to-day -day meaning of Abba is daddy or father. And for the Jewish people, it was shocking to hear this teacher, this man calling God daddy. Other meanings in Aramaic for Abba is the source of all creation. The only being, the one and only being, Abba, the source, you know, the of all beings, so the one and only being. Fathers are the source of our lives. They are creators in this physical realm. But Abba, God, is the source of all creation and is the only being. So to address God as Abba is also honoring the oneness of all creation because all creation is of this of the same father of the same abba and all of creation is one in god in the father so jesus's prayers often began with addressing god as abba one example is from the gospel of luke chapter 22 41 to 42, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. This was a prayer that Jesus spoke before he was arrested, before he was led to the crucifixion. Another important thing to know about Jesus's prayers is that he said, thank you. And oftentimes he would begin with thanking God in advance, knowing that what he was asking was already heard, already known, that he was not surprising God with a prayer that God didn't know about. In the Gospel of John, chapter 11, 41 to 42, this is the story of when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead and the disciples that brought Jesus to Lazarus's tomb took away the, sto away the stone. And so it reads in the Gospel, so they took away the stone and then Jesus looked up and said, 
Father, it would have been Abba. I thank you that you have heard me. So from the get-go, the thank you. Abba, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And then after this, he raised Lazarus from the dead. So when we pray to begin not with some words, not with our request, not with the subject of our prayer, but begin always by turning to Abba, to the source of all creation, turning to that which we call God and centering on the truth of our oneness, turning to the one being, if you will. And then in the prayer, to express gratitude, to say thank you, to honor the truth that God knows what is in our hearts. God knows the desires of our hearts. And so we can begin by saying thank you, knowing that in that very moment, that very moment that we turn to God, God is already responding to us. So in some ways, our prayers could be, Abba, thank you, amen. We turn to God, we trust that we are heard, that God knows the desires of our heart, we say thank you, and then so it is. I'm not saying that's how we should pray, but if we understand Jesus's teachings about prayer, that would be enough. And then at another point in his ministry, Jesus was asked, how should we pray? His disciples wanted him to be a little more clear and actually tell them, give them a prayer that they can pray. Again, we need to remember that when Jesus gave the prayer to his disciples, he did so in Aramaic. So what we translate into English ultimately as one format, one set of memorized words in the Aramaic, each phrase has those layers of meaning. And people who spoke Aramaic knew how to process that way. So in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 7 to 13, Jesus said, when you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases. It's not about how beautiful your words can be. It's about the consciousness that you bring, that consciousness of oneness, that consciousness of knowing that Father is the one being. It is that consciousness of gratitude and faith and trust. Jesus said, when you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way. Our Father, which art in heaven, 
hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. I grew up with this prayer. I was taught it. I memorized it. Um, I went to a, a Catholic school, and we would say this prayer all the time. And then many, many years later, I'm in seminary at Unity Village studying to be a unity minister. And every other day, there was a recording that was played throughout the building, throughout all of the buildings. At 11 o'clock in the morning, Charles Fillmore, our co-founder, would say the Lord's Prayer. So that was a constant from my childhood learning to that which I embraced later on as an adult. The Lord's Prayer was very much present in my experience at the seminary in Unity. The alternate days, um, Myrtle Fillmore, our other co-founder, would say another prayer. And that one would begin with, God is my help in every need. But Charles Fillmore's voice would carry throughout the village saying the Lord's Prayer. So what does it mean? I didn't understand it as a child. I sort of understand it as an adult, but the familiarity of it and the fact that Jesus taught it make it something that I value. But in all honesty, it's not precious to my heart. I, I don't resonate that much except for a few parts here and there. I honor it. I say the prayer. I would pause and I would listen to Charles Fillmore saying the prayer. But it's not a prayer that really speaks to my heart until I heard Neil Douglas Klotz give talks and until I read his book, listened to an audio book, and then the layers of translation from the Aramaic touched my entire being. So I want to share that with you. The Aramaic um, looks strange. It sounds very different. I wish I could um, play for you a recording of Neil Douglas Cloth saying the prayer, but you can find him online and go ahead and listen. It's, it's a good experience. The, the prayer begins with avum dibashmaya. And I've, I've practiced, I've learned a couple lines, but it's not an easy language for me to pronounce, to say. It's not a language that I would be able to read because the script is not in our alphabet. And again, you can go online and you can find pictures, you know, whatever search engine you use and, and see pictures of the Aramaic script. But let's look at 
the prayer line by line and see what other meanings are hidden in that prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven. It could also begin with Father, radiant one, source of all creation. Or it could begin with Father, you are the oneness, the, one, the only being. And then when we go on to the next line, where in English we say, hallowed be thy name. In the Aramaic, it could be said as, in peace your name resides. So if I'm praying to the one and only being, the God that I am one with, the God of my being, Hallowed be thy name sounds like I need to venerate the name, which is good and true. It's just that for whatever reason, it, it sits well in my head, but not so. it doesn't really touch my heart. But in the Aramaic, we could say, in peace, your name resides. And so right away in my heart, I get a sense of peace and the sense of God's presence within my heart, and that this, this presence is an experience of peace. Another way that phrase, hallowed be thy name, could be expressed in the Aramaic language or have meaning in the Aramaic languages, help us clear the space inside so the name comes to live. So God, the one being, I turn to you and help me clear a space within me so that you, you that I name, can live within me. Or Father, Abba, I hold a sacred space for you and experience the holy light that you are. There's something, there's something about a name that when we can hold a name within us, that we come to know that which we've named in, in a particular way. So hallowed be thy name is not honoring this name from a distance, but it's bringing that name into our consciousness holding that name in a sacred space within us so that we can experience the holy light that that name stands for. And then the prayer goes on in English, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Again, alternative ways of translating from the Aramaic could be unite our I can with yours. In other words, unite my sense of my own ability, agency, power. Unite that with you and the power, that divine power that expresses through me.
Or another translation from the Aramaic might be desire with and through us so that we may join you in forming a new creation. So instead of my surrendering my will to a God that in my head might be wanting something different for me and, and instead of getting into this tug of war, my will or God's will, and ultimately I give up, I surrender, it's God's will. The imagery here is that that presence, that one being that is within me merges my will and that which is God's will so that there is not that struggle and surrender, but I find that the deepest desires of my heart are expressions of the will of God. And I allow those deepest desires of my heart to be a divine guidance, a, a guidance in, for bringing into being, being, bringing into manifestation that which is the will of God, but which is also my will. And then our familiar English prayer goes on to say, give us this day our daily bread. Again, alternative translations from the Aramaic might be, grant what we need each day. You know, our, our modern day, there is an emphasis on being in the here and now, or if anybody is in a recovery program, the practice of living one day at a time. So in this prayer, there is that too, where we, we focus on this day. We ask for what we need each day and not worry way into the future and to trust that that each day we are given what we need. Another translation from the Aramaic might be, generate through us the bread of life. So that which feeds us, that which nurtures us, that which, is sustain, that which sustains us, is generated through us, God, that one being through us generates for us that bread of life. And then another alternative way of translating, give us this day our daily bread, help us fulfill what lies within us. Because when we fulfill that which is the truth of who we are, when we fulfill the calling that we have, then we live a life worthy of that calling. We live a life in which we are nourished, fulfilled, fed in so many ways. Or it could simply be give us this day our daily bread and know that, you know, a loaf of our favorite bread is there and we're not left hungry. And so as we go on, the next part of the prayer that we're familiar with is, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. 
And that always just made sense to me. But again, the things that really resonate in my mind about our familiar English version of the Lord's Prayer, when I look at translations from the Aramaic, it goes to my heart. It fills my consciousness in a different way. And that's not because it's better, it's just, it's a poetic, mystical language. And our English language that allows us to accomplish so much is a very precise, analytical, logical language. Not that one is better than the other, but it's worthwhile to pause and hear a more mystical version of this prayer that Jesus taught. So in English, our familiar version and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Another translation from the Aramaic might be, and untie the knots of failure that bind us as we release the strands from which we hold on to others' faults. In my mind, the first time I read that, heard that, I just pictured myself releasing all these floating balloons that contained all of my judgments of myself and others, and it just felt so good. Another way of translating from the Aramaic, erase the inner marks of our, that our failures make. Erase the inner marks that our failures make just as we scrub our hearts of others' faults. That sense of our hearts being lighter, not burdened by, by the heaviness of our judgments. And then finally in the English version, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Another translation from the Aramaic, break the hold of inner stagnation and free us from that which keeps us from our true purpose. You know, at least in my own life, I, I have not really struggled with evil so much. I mean, every now and again, I think I am. But I do struggle with feeling stuck, with not living my truth sometimes, feeling entangled in things in a way that I feel a stagnation. Break the hold of inner stagnation and free us from that which keeps us from our true purpose. Another translation from the Aramaic, don't let us enter forgetfulness. I really like that. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil can also be translated from the Aramaic as 
don't let us enter forgetfulness. You know, those moments when we forget, we may have really nourished ourselves spiritually. We might feel a profound sense of what is truth with a capital T. We might experience ourselves living in the consciousness of the Christ. And then something happens. Someone bumps us in the grocery store and we forget. It's like we slide down into this consciousness where we feel victims of this stuff happening and, and the knee-jerk reactions come up. So in this translation of that part of the prayer, don't let, don't let us enter forgetfulness. I really experience forgetfulness that, oh, I forgot who I was. Oh, I forgot the truth in here much more so than experiences of temptation. That's me. For you, you might relate more to temptation. I'm just sharing with you how differently this prayer of Jesus can impact us by telling you some of the impact it has on me. So if I were to read a translation of the Lord's Prayer, a translation from the Aramaic, and read the whole thing. Again, this, this translation is just one possible translation. I might begin with, O Radiant One, the source of all creation. Focus your light within us. Create your reign of unity right now. Unite your I can with ours so that we may keep all in the light in all of its forms. Grant what we need each day and help us fulfill that which lies within us. Loose the cords of mistakes binding us as we release the strands we hold around others' guilt. Don't let surface things delude us. Don't let us enter into forgetfulness but free us from what holds us back. From you is born all ruling. From you is born the power and the life to do. From you is born the song that beautifies all. From age to age it renews. So again, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. From you is born the I can of the cosmos. From you is born the power and the life to do. And finally, I think this line is my favorite one. May the words of this prayer be the ground 
from which all my actions grow. So in this translation from the Aramaic, I am left with this blessing or this intention that all that I do think and say will have its ground in this prayer of oneness, in this prayer of truth, in this prayer of uniting, allowing my will and the will of God to become one. And even now when I hear the words for yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever, the meaning of those words is deeper for me and is much more for me. So as we bring this to a conclusion, my prayer for you is, may the words of this prayer, this prayer that Jesus taught, be the ground from which all of your actions grow. And the same for myself, you would say this for yourself as well, you might want to do that silently along with me. May the words of this prayer be the ground from which all my actions grow. Amen. Or so it is. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support this podcast, you may do so at unityvacaville.org.